0: You are entering an alternate reality of space and time, artificial intelligence, and the unknown in Future Tech. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I'm gonna talk about why science fiction doesn't exist anymore. And the reason I'm saying that, and maybe the title's a bit confusing. Sci-fi, you know, we're talking about 100 or 200 years worth of people writing stories, science fiction stories like Jules Verne and Robert Heinlein and Isaac Asimov and H.G. Wells and, you know, go on and on. From the Earth to the Moon and Brave New World and 1984 and The Time Machine and so many stories that have come out over the past 100 or 200 years that predicted what they think will happen in the future. And the reason why I say science fiction no longer exists is because all of those predictions or most of the predictions have come true. Let's just start off with the smartphone. (laughs) I mean, a simple device that we take for granted can do everything. And in Star Trek, they had the communicators, right? They were able to communicate off-planet to the ship, the Enterprise. And in a lot of other books and movies, there was always some sort of communication device. Well, sure, we had we had cell phones in the 90s and even in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, some very primitive, mostly for big corporations and military use. But eventually, the, the masses, were, consumers were able to get these smartphones. And a smartphone isn't just a phone, as we know. We can watch movies on it. We can pay our bills on it. We can order food on it. We can calculate really complicated uh, data formulas using sophisticated calculators. We can take pictures and take videos and we can do all these different things, which has also opened up, and, and yes, we had this before smartphones, but video chat. I mean, how many times in... You know, the old movies, the old shows, Twilight Zone, Star Trek, Star Wars even, where there were holographic video chats or screen-type video chats. Even in books, people were writing about video chat in the 1900s. So are we saying that we're sci-fi? We do Zoom, FaceTime, video chats. We're constantly talking on video through smartphones. And a lot of this technology and communication, right? The communication is very important because if you go back a hundred years, we were still using the telegram and the telephone and everything was very slow. And before that, it was even worse. We had to travel, you had to send a letter over a boat <laughs> to, to another country to, and the mail was very slow. So communication opened up and one of the biggest pieces of sci-fi that became a reality was satellites, satellites in space again we take these for granted but once we started putting satellites in space and we had the gps the global positioning system to allow us to be able to navigate better it also allowed for communication because it's able to transmit data and it's also able to receive data it's all it's it's basically a, a way to communicate worldwide in an instant and if it, <laughs> To, to just realize that we have this available to us, it's mind-blowing when you really think about the fact that there's hundreds or thousands of satellites circling the globe right now as I talk to you, helping us use our, smart, our smartphones, enabling the video chat to be able to go through networks. How did we get there? How did we do that? Probably the biggest part of science fiction books and movies was space travel and having a space station and having spaceships, and having astronauts. Think about it for a second. Go back to the 1950s and 60s, the Cold War era, when Russia and and America were having a space race. Everybody was trying to get to the moon. Let's get to space. Let's get our people into into low Earth orbit. And we did it. We landed people on the moon. We started to travel in space a lot. We had the space shuttle program. And now we have SpaceX with reusable rockets. We're going back to the moon with the Artemis program soon. We have the International Space Station. So even if you look at Stanley Kubrick's 1960s movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey, his prediction and others as well, because people have written about this many times in the past before that, was there's going to be a space station in space that we can work out of and we can live out of. And in the 90s, we launched the ISS. We have a space station. So doesn't that mean that we're actually living in the sci-fi world? I think so. So all these books that people read in the 1800s, 1900s, you know, from the journey from the Earth to the moon, you know, or different types of uh, space travel movies and and, and TV shows that came out, we didn't have space travel. We didn't have satellites. We didn't have any of that. So they were just predicting that eventually we would have it. Well, eventually is now. And another thing that people talked about a lot in books or movies, um, specifically in 1984, was government surveillance. You know, Big Brother is watching you. We have the CIA, NSA, FBI, all these government agencies are now watching us through camera technology once again. Cameras everywhere. I mean... That's a dystopian future, if you ask me, when you have cameras everywhere surveilling you, watching you on your smartphones and your webcams and your cameras, listening through microphones. Sorry, people. That's sci-fi. That's that's science fiction. And and we have to stop calling it that. I think it's present fiction. (laughs) We're living this fiction now. Futurist and sci-fi writer Arthur C. Clarke once said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I can imagine ancient humans visiting me at home while making coffee from my Keurig machine. They would most likely think I made it using magic. Well, that's the same feeling I get when I crack open the world's first productivity shot, Magic Mind. Each little bottle has a magical combination of 12 active ingredients designed to stimulate focus, creativity, energy, energy and motivation while decreasing stress, oxidation, and post-exercise inflammation in the body. Now, I don't know about you, but after drinking a couple cups of coffee and tea throughout my day, I inevitably crash in the afternoon. After dinner, all I can do is binge some shows on my sofa because I just don't have the energy to be active. After drinking Magic Mind, I found myself working so late one night, it was close to my bedtime. (laughs) There was no crash, just energy and focus. It's like I was motivated by some type of magic force to be creative. That's Magic Mind. So pick some up at magicmind.co slash boots. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O slash B-O-O-T-S. And use my code, boots, to get 20% off your order or 40% off your subscription within the next 10 days. Brave New World was another great book and it came out almost 100 years ago where they were helping the residents of the community stay calm through medicine, right? De- antidepressants, for example. And nowadays we have like a drug or a pill that helps you cure almost any ailment. Back in the day, they were selling snake uh, tonics. You know, they were they were selling these tonics full of maybe even cocaine or syrups and different types of flavors, and they didn't do anything, right? These, these medic- medicines, quote-unquote medicines, didn't do anything. But now we have pills that can actually cure, you know, diabetes. You have insulin, uh, heart disease, and and, and uh, blood pressure and cholesterol. There's a pill to lower all these things, and uh, there's, just a, there's just so many medicines nowadays to cure illnesses that in the past would have killed you by the time you were 20 years old. Now we can live till almost 100 and we're, we're getting to that point now with stem cell research, um, CRISPR, gene editing. I mean, that was a sci-fi thing. It was editing the genes and being able to modify humans and being able to live longer and create organs. I mean, we're getting closer to that part. I mean, CRISPR, the gene editing tool that we have, we've just unlocked the human genome. All of the strands of DNA recently have been unlocked. So we're, we're, at, we're on the cusp of reaching that final piece of science fiction, of living longer through medicine. I mean, we can't ignore the medical technology. Think about it this way. When you watched Star Wars or Star Trek or other space shows or movies where they would send you to sickbay or the medical facility, and they had all these like x-ray machines and MRIs and all sorts of cool gadgets and scanners and things like that. Now, back when these shows came out, we didn't have a lot of that technology. But we do now. We have, you know, when you go into the operating room and you go into the hospital and you go to the doctors, they have so many medical technologies. Science fiction, guys. I mean, we're living in it. And there's, then we have to look at more simplistic things, right? There are quite a few things. If you think about, for example, one of my favorite books of all time, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? They gave him a babblefish, which he sticks in his ear and it squirms around. And all of a sudden, he can understand every language, right? It's a a translator. Well, don't we have translators now? Uh, Google Translate and now Microsoft through Skype has a live translation, which will translate like English to Spanish or Indian to English or whatever language to whatever language. And it's live. So you can talk to somebody. Even if you talk through Google Translate on the live um, feature, you can show the person the screen or it'll speak out loud. You can, at this point, we can translate any language into any language. Uh, I I believe I've seen the inventions of people having the earpieces that you can hear someone, uh, hear someone's voice through the phone and then it tells you what they're saying and maybe it works as a microphone through the earpiece that you can talk and they can hear it in their earpiece. So you could talk back and forth. We're getting really close to that live translation. I mean, we already have it. So Babblefish, we have a form of that. And then let's look at the fact that every spaceship in most movies or shows, or of course, they they came from books, mostly, there was a computer that you would talk to. Computer, tell me the trajectory to the nearest star system. And the computer would say, well, it is 1,426,000 light years away, sir. And the computer would talk to you as an assistant. You know, okay, computer, plot that. Trajectory. Let's let's uh, let's get on course for that planet. And the computer would start calculating and doing things right. And throughout history in science fiction, computers on board of ships or even on the ground on Earth or other planets depicted in sci-fi stories, the computer was an entity that would, like an AI, that would help you complete tasks. We have Siri. Siri helps me complete tasks. She sets calendar appointments for me and calls people for me and texts people for me and takes my dictations and answers formulas. If I have a formula I want an answer to, she'll answer it. And that goes without saying. Most computer databases on these ships or stories had the knowledge base of the whole universe. Well, don't we have that? Don't we have the internet? The internet, you can type in any question and get an answer. Wikipedia has all knowledge of everything in, in this one database website. So don't we have knowledge of the history of the world and the universe and assistance to help us along the way, along with translation and satellites and smartphones and video chat? Let's not forget about electric cars. Hello, people. Tesla electric cars are now on the road. They're self-driving that, my friends, is science fiction. Electric cars. I mean, we've been talking about these things for a long time. A self-driving car. You see them in movies. I've seen them in movies a million times. Whether it's a self-driving car or electric cars, we have them. So now, how can we make a sci-fi quote-unquote movie with all of these things that I just talked about? You can't. You can't write a story about this anymore. The next evolution in what is considered science fiction is going to have to be anything that has nothing to do with these things, because these things are now part of our reality. It is reality fiction. So the next thing would have to be gene editing, creating organs, immortality, or living long periods of time by, re- by removing diseases, interstellar travel, traveling to other planets, this is really, that's the bread and butter of sci-fi at this point. There's really nothing left for us to explore because we've already created all of it. Potentially meeting extraterrestrials, aliens, that's science fiction, of course. We're still not at that point. So there's still a couple of untapped stories there or science fiction uh, features that we can talk about in the future. But we're living in sci-fi now, and, and that's why I think it doesn't really exist anymore. I think there should be a new term for you know, unknown fiction? What's the unknown? Extraterrestrials? Will we ever meet them? Will we ever be able to create three D printed organs? Will we be able to edit our genes to a way that we can evolve into a, a species that can breathe on Mars? These are the questions that are unknown. Maybe there's a new term for this. I don't know, but but hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I really did because I, I realized that we're science fiction no longer existed in a way. So let me know what other pieces of technology I might have missed that fall into this category of sci-fi that is in reality. I'd love to hear it in the comments, please. As always, I will see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.